This is the Cascade Hiker Podcast. Find us over at CascadeHikerPodcast.com. I'm a country boy with the soft side. My heart wanders up north to the hillside. Now I've never made anyone quite as beautiful as you. I'm your host, Rudy Gets It. I'm here to inspire you to get out on the trail. You putting in two-mile hikes, five-mile hikes? Are you still on the couch? Come on, let's go on a backpacking trip. I'm going to introduce you to some folks that have done that and a whole lot more. Next on the Cascade Hiker Podcast, what's your name and where are you from? My name is Emery Wonger, and I hail from uh, Vancouver, Washington. Right on. I don't know why, after listening to your podcast, uh, I was kind of trying to gather that. I don't know if you do the same thing. If you listen to podcasts, you're like, I wonder where this person's at if they don't outright say. And yeah. I, I'm just like, for some reason, I had you pegged in like uh, just east of the mountains. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Some, I guess I don't really do a good job of letting people know where I'm at. I usually just say the Pacific Northwest and I refuse to say Vancouver unless the person knows that there's a Vancouver in Washington and not just Canada. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, well, you don't have to say, but it's just, uh, you know, it, when you don't know, it's, it's, it just yeah. uh, kind of leads you to kind of try to figure it out. Yeah, man. So you got, uh, man, you got a lot going on. I, I, I tell you, um, I saw you. I found actually found you through an article in the Washington Trails, which is the WTA's uh, magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, did uh, they contact you for that, or was that something you submitted? Or no, uh, I got an email from them, like random out of the blue. They're like, "Hey, we're doing this uh, article in the next few months about podcasters in Washington um, that you know dedicated towards like backpacking in the outdoors." And I was like, "Sweet." Uh, and they're like, can we reach out? And so we did a quick little, in a little interview. Um, and then, yeah, took off from there. So they, they found me somehow. Uh, that's great, man. Yeah, it was cool. It's, it's good when uh, you can get some recognition like that because, uh, well, I found you that way. So, I mean, it's, it's yeah. good, good for folks. Um, what about uh, hiking in general? Uh, I just, I always like to go back and kind of find out like, how did you get started with hiking or the outdoors in general? Um, I mean, you know, growing up as a kid, um, I grew up on a really big, uh, set of <laughs> acres. Uh, my dad ran a, a kid's camp. So, you know, I was always out in the woods, um, running around doing things as I got older and got interested in hunting. Um, and you know, we would do various like general outdoor activities and then uh, left, you know, nothing, nothing strenuous. I don't think I ever went backpacking per se. You know, we would just do day hikes. Uh, same with hunting. Nothing crazy with hunting. Just it was more or less my interest. And so uh, I went away to the military, came back, and I don't know what really sparked it. Um, I think I just have always had an affinity for the outdoors. Like I have that, you know, ideal idealistic mindset of, um, you know, what's out there, you know, there's like, this is leftover adventure in me. And so I was like, you know, I'll start doing some hiking and then backpacking kind of came around and I was like, I would really like to do some backpacking. And at that time, uh, there really wasn't a whole lot of people backpack hunting really started with hunting. I would say, uh, I really wanted to get further and further back. I didn't really know how. And then, you know, if anyone that's new to backpacking, uh, you just don't know which direction to go in, you know, and what kind of gear and stuff like that. And finally, I just spent too many summers uh, looking back over the year and be like, what the heck did I do? I didn't do anything. I just sat on my, you know, haunches kind of <laughs> wishing I had done these things. I was like, this has got to change. So looked into backpack hunting, kind of started there and then fast forward like a number of years, um, you know, the PCT and then now the podcast and I I try to get out as much as possible, but that's kind of where it stemmed from with just a general interest in the outdoors that kind of eventually slowly but surely led up to what I'm doing now. Yeah, that's great, man. Well, uh, you know, you kind of just glazed over the PCT. I mean, that's a pretty Mm -hmm. pretty big accomplishment. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So I guess a lot of people wonder, if they don't already know what through hiking is, um, when they find out, they're like, what, you know, like why that seems like a long ways to hike and how does that work? And, and no, there's no way I could do that. And, uh, for me, if I ever, if I could ever point it back to one specific time, I remember as a kid, I was 
up in Mount Adams Wilderness. I was probably, I don't know, 16 or something. And um, my dad was doing these like horse pack trips and we were kind of, I was out with some guys and we were on the PCT that goes through Mount Adams Wilderness. And we bumped into these homeless people out in the woods <laughs> or what looked to be homeless. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they were all like mountain manned out. And and I was like, what the heck? Who are these guys? You know, and, and we got to talking to them. Clearly really nice people. And they're like, yeah, we were uh, on the PCT. We hiked from Mexico. And I was like, what? And I mean, as a 15, 16 year old kid, I, I mean, that was just, that was insane. Right. So I think, you know, that was probably where the seed was planted in terms of what the human body could probably do. And, and at that point, I really didn't know that it was really actually possible or how it even worked. So fast forward, um, I, I really do enjoy, I, I enjoy physical activities, but I really, really enjoy the mental aspect of, of activities like the challenges. Um, I feel like it always just, that's the thing that attracts me to things. So it's what attracted me towards the Marine Corps it's attracted me towards a lot of the things that I've done in life. And then when I, I was, had gotten out of the military, I came home and I was feeling like I had been a part of this um, world of, you know, a weird section of the world with wars and stuff like that. And I wanted to do something to counterbalance that. So I found this program called Warrior Expeditions. It's, now it's Warrior Expeditions. And I started volunteering for them and I ended up being their Pacific Crest Trail coordinator. And they would put veterans on trails and hike them from... Um, Mexico to Canada and various other trails throughout the United States for therapy for like PTSD and, and various things like that. Kind of like a rehab thing through nature. And I was like, dude, that's super cool. So I did that for a couple of years. And then, I mean, I knew eventually, you know, I, I drive over the PCT at Cascade Locks um, basically every day for a number of years. And I'd see those hikers come through around that time. And I just was enamored with it. And then got to know these guys that were hiking, got to kind of get, get a feel for how it worked. And then the program was like, hey, if, ever, if you ever want to hike, you know, let us know and we'll, we'll try and make it happen. So I, I was like, screw it. Let's do it. So I asked my company for a leave of absence for six months. And in 2017, I marched down the trail. Uh, let's see, I think I kicked off like April 10th. And the rest is history, man. Uh, that's cool, man. That's, that's uh, you know, you're... You're, uh, you, you got your goals and you, and you did it, man. That's, that's so awesome. Uh, um, can you talk a little bit about then, was that what, what sparked uh, starting the Byland podcast? Yeah, that's exactly what started it. So um, I'm sure you know, like anyone who's ever spent a, 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 enough time in the outdoors, you know, you're, you know, when you're disconnected from um, technology and just the, the world for even just a couple of days or an afternoon, your thoughts just start coming flooding in. Like, and I'm a pretty creative person. So for me, I really need that disconnection from like, you know, technology and whatnot. And so I'm hiking and the PCT through hiking is just, uh, it's a very special, special thing. It's exhausting. And for a lot of people, it's very spiritual and you're in your head a lot. And as I'm hiking, I'm struggling with this whole entire thing. I had had the Byland website that was just dedicated to kind of helping people, doing what I could to help people. Like, here's my story. Here's what I've learned. Ta-da. Like, there you have it. Hmm. And I, I must have got somewhere. I listened to a ton of podcasts on the PCT because, you know, every once in a while, you're, you're like, I got to get my brain doing something else besides <laughs> walking all day long. So uh, I was listening to a podcast about podcasts and the benefits of it. And I was like, dude, I have no idea if this could work, but I'll, I'll let me give it a shot. So I was really fired up. Uh, going through Washington and, and backpacking for me had been through hiking, I should say through hiking had been, it's an exercise in uh, trial and error. And by the time I got to Washington, I was just feeling like a machine and backpacking was really easy, just not physically, but mentally easy. And the things that I struggled with early on in the PCT like really, really struggled with the things that defeated me mentally no longer were even, I wouldn't bat my eye at them anymore. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, screw it. I think I want to try this podcasting thing and just bring on people, get to know them, learn about their story and kind of pick their brains on behalf of an audience saying like, Hey, uh, 
I know this is what you do out in the outdoors. Like you love it. How are you doing it? And why do you keep going back over and over and over again? Because everyone has their own unique story. Um, you have a unique story. I have a unique story. And we, and we look at things way different, not way differently, but we might, a lot of times people look at things differently and those differences are really, really good. And I come from hunting background and then a, you know, general backpacking and now through hiking community. And I was like, dude, I want to bridge this gap because I feel like backpack hunters can really learn from through hikers. And then through hikers can really learn from backpack hunters. And so it was really just a means to connect that um, gap, build bridges and just honestly learn. Yeah, well, you're, you're definitely doing it right, man. I've been listening to a lot of the episodes and um, some of your guests are just great. And uh, I was kind of kind of messing around on your, your website at, at byland.co and uh, and yeah, man, I was uh, some awesome guests. And uh, how do you, how do you find your guests? You 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 see them on social media or? Dude, honestly, yeah, that's um, I I you know I'm always curious, and I follow a bunch of random not a random accounts, but I you know the algorithm of Instagram is such that you know there's related content, and and every once in a while I'll come across a profile that I'm like, what is this person doing, and I look them up and maybe they post something that's curious to me, like a comment. And I'm like, dude, that would be a real, like, these are topics that I'm personally interested in. I feel like if I'm not interested in the person or the topic, then it's probably not going to be a very good episode. <laughs> so um, <laughs> these are things that I'm interested in. And I feel like, Hey, cool. If I'm interested in, then someone out there might find some value in it as well. And I, so yeah, social media has been so, great in terms of finding guests and it kind of gives them a way i'm sure you've, you've found as well like it gives them a way to kind of do a background check on you first to be like hey, what's this guy up to like what's his, what's right, his right. <laughs> well and it, and it, it, it could be kind of easily approachable too right i mean it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah yeah it's like it's not too you're not coming across too harsh it's just like hey, no. you're either you're gonna answer me or you're not <laughs> yeah and sometimes you know I, I don't know if you've found this but sometimes I have to hit someone up like a number of times before, you know, if I'm not in their little, if they're not following me or something like that, then I just become like a little asterisk on their like direct messages. <laughs> so <laughs> They'll not see me for like an entire year. And I'm, I'm like, Hey, just following up. Would you be interested? I didn't even know. Yeah, of course. You know, And it's surprising how, you know, you go after, not go after you, you approach a big account and there's such a such great people out there, man. Like, honestly, I have been, I think that's been my biggest pleasure of doing the podcast. You know, I'm up to, I think I'd be, I think I'm doing like 63. I think I just did 60, 62 as of this morning when we recorded this or this week. And I've honestly had such a great time talking to these people. It's, it's like, uh, it's like, oh, this is, these are my people. Yeah, and uh, I was just flipping through, and I I have to make a comment. Um, one of your episodes, uh, let's see, episode forty six, with uh, Christoph Tuscher. Oh, yeah. I think that's how you pronounce it. I, I haven't actually listened to that, but I want to tell you a little backstory. So this is the guy that uh, that ran. Uh, well, he was trying to set the the fastest known time for hiking the PCT in Washington, and um, so I, I don't know if you follow my podcast or whatever. It doesn't matter. But I was actually on the the PCTA crew that was putting in the new terminus up north uh, at the Canadian border. And so I was volunteering for that. We got flown in on a chopper. It was pretty awesome. I'm sure my guests heard that because yeah. I had a whole episode on it. But um, he was there. Uh, that was when yeah. he was starting. was right then. It was so cool, yeah. man. It was like, uh, hey, man, I actually got some audio from him in the moment. Uh, oh, cool. in hopes to do a, uh, an episode later. And I just, I just failed to ever, I, I don't know about you, but I've got a long list of people. It's like, Oh yeah, let's do that sometime. And then it's oh, like, yeah. uh, bleh. I, Dude, I, I that, lose time, you know? And I, I mean, if I remember correctly, he, he told me, he's like, yeah. So he, you know, you have to hike in from hearts pass. Um, unless you're flown in by a helicopter, of course. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Cheater. so hearts pass is like 30 miles from the border. And the reason why you can't go from Canada is that, you know, it's not like the Mexican border, as you know, like for anyone listening, you can't just like pull up to the Northern terminus of the PCT and like take, snap a picture and go home. You got to hike there one way or another. Like either you have to come through Canada, which I don't think you can do that. Um, or you got to hike in from hearts past 30 miles. And so he goes, 
he's doing that FKT and he, he has to go 30 miles just to come back 30 miles. And he said he got there and you guys were there and he got to, he was like one of the first people to touch the, the monument after it was established. Yeah. Yeah. He, I've so got, crazy. I've got a picture of him. I, I don't know if he, I can't remember if I took a picture of him with his camera, but I have one on mine and uh, yeah, I should, I should definitely reach out to him and see if he has that. But Oh man. Yeah. He, he is a, such <laughs> a great guest. Like, and not only that, but, I follow him on social media and I'm like, what? You are crazy. Like, how does he do this? I mean, he hasn't been a runner his entire life. This is kind of like a one. He's not 20. He's not 20 years old. He's like a (laughs) professor from Portland State, like a computer science professor or something like that. And he just takes up running. And now he's, you know, I think it was 500 miles. He did it in like just over 10 days or something like that. 500 miles. Like, what? I mean, such a cool guest. Yeah, hit him up. He is such a fun guest to have. Yeah, that's cool. I'm just I'm just glad to see all your guests. And um, uh, can you tell me a little bit? Uh, maybe tell the the the, uh, the listeners because it's something that I have not covered. And uh, I will tell you a story after you you talk about it. But uh, um, I think my guests need to go over as soon as possible and listen to episode 62 uh, through writing and uh, oh, yeah. with Jillian Larson. That was amazing. Can you kind of kind of give a little overview of that episode? Yeah. So um, if you're familiar with, if anyone's familiar with like the, the major long trails, there's only, man, any horse rider that's done through riding might, might shoot me. But I, I don't think uh, livestock are allowed on all trails um, in the United States. I think there's, there's certain things there that you can and can't do on these trails. Well, the PCT is one of the long distance trails that we have in the, in the lower 48 that allows that is of stock grade. So, um, I remember when I was hiking, everyone talks about like the AT versus the PCT and like, Oh, the, the, the PCT has a nice grade and you know, it's such a nice track to walk on. Well, that's because it's required supposedly to be of stock grade, which means like animals can, can, make their way up the trail. Well, um, there's people that ride their horses from Mexico to Canada and she's one of them. And she's done, what is it like? She's done, she did the PCT twice, man, all the trails in between, but she's done the PCT twice, the Arizona trail and the continental divide trail, which is what? 3000 miles. Yeah. Um, but so I found her. There's only a couple accounts. You can't really find these people because there's not a whole lot. Um, so so I had her. I reached out to her. I'm like, this chick is killing it. I mean, she's fairly young. She's uh, rolling solo on these trails. She has her horse, and then her horse's uh, offspring. So she has two two horses, and she rides these long trails, and that's what she does. And it's very different than everyone's seen like a pack train of, of horses and it's very different from that. There's all different styles of packing. Um, but for her, she has a certain way of doing it and she kind of just jumped into it. So yeah, that episode, um, she told me when I reached out to her that she identifies a little bit more with through hiking and through hikers than your average, um, horse packing because they're just, the mindset is a little bit different. So yeah, man, I had her on the podcast and I was just like, <laughs> man, I was like, well, how did, okay, how does this work? I have so many questions for you. And it, what was cool is that I could speak to it from a, I've hiked the same trail you've ridden and I know what was difficult for me. How the heck did you do it? And what is different for you? How do you approach this stuff? And I was actually more fascinated with the logistics behind it. Um, to be able to having to take care of an animal animals in the like trailer room. And I mean, it was just insane. I really like how she talked about um, the fact that a lot of other horse riders that maybe would try to take on the same thing might think, well, uh, if I'm going to go do this and, and, and I'm going to need more food for this section, I'm going to need another horse or I'm going to need, yeah. you know, for more yep. gear or whatever. And she's just like, uh, not me. I, I want to go lightweight, just like a hiker. Yep. Right. Yeah. I ran into one. So before we ended up recording that phone call, you know, I chatted with, you know, as, as normally you chat with a guest or whatever. And I told her I bumped into one horse rider on the PCT south of Mount Hood. I woke up one morning and he was saddling his horse. And I was like, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm riding from Mexico to Canada. And I was like, 
what? <laughs> and uh, so we got there. I took a picture with him and just chatted. And, and you know, I was, I was picking his brain, but of course you only had like a few minutes. But I just remember from then on, from like Mount Hood on, um, I remember the one thing that I asked him, I was like, dude, how are you getting around these downfalls? Because as you know, especially in Washington, um, the trees can get large. And there's a section in Southern Cal- or Southern Oregon that's known for some downfalls as well. And I was like, dude, how are you doing this? Like, sometimes I have to crawl around things. And he's like, yeah, I just make a bigger loop around or I cut the tree. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, okay, so all through Washington, you know, uh, I'm sitting there thinking, anytime I come across some sort of downfall, I'd be like, how, what, what I have to do? And I'm like, no, 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 thanks. (laughs) I can't talk enough about Waymark Gear Company. Seriously. Uh, my daughters still have their packs. We gave away a pack on the show, and I recently met Mark down at PCT Days over the summer. And I just want to say on their website, really easy to find, waymarkgearco.com. Check out their two types of packs. You've got the through, the 38 to 42 liter packs, and then the light uh, 50 liter packs. So uh, the throughs are $210 where they start. And then the 50 liter uh, packs, uh, the kind of the Cadillac of the frameless packs, they start at $260. So go over, check it out. There's all kinds of colors to pick from. Uh, this is just a quick little ad here to uh, you know support the show. At least go over there and follow him on Instagram, uh, Waymark Gear Company, and tell him the Cascade Hiker Podcast sent you. Yeah, that's crazy. And I was kind of wondering, I, you know, of course I had a ton of questions. You even said at the end of the you're like, well, people probably have a ton of questions. And um, one, of my, one of my things was I was wondering uh, – some of the best trail in Washington state other than the goat rocks is, is a uh, red pass, white pass mm-hmm. up there. And yeah. uh, technically the trail is closed to uh, horseback through there mm-hmm. uh, only because of a spot which they're actually working on. They worked it on it this last summer and the forest service is working on it again, finishing up this summer, but there's a blasting area that uh, they just couldn't get horseback through. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I was kind of wondering, did she go through that? Because the way she was talking kind of sounded like she did. And I don't know that it was illegal, you know, to bypass. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, it was just kind of like she she even kind of mentioned that some places say, oh, yeah, don't go through here. But then uh, that's maybe for like a pack train. Yeah, I don't really know. I mean, <clears throat> she's done it twice. She's done the PCG twice. And, I mean, it makes – I'd have to ask her. But uh, I was under the impression that a lot of those sections that are not – trails are, you know, are not allowed for horses. I think she's, she just kind of goes for it because she, she did say, I believe that she does one horse through Washington. So she only rides one horse for those reasons, because there's sections of the trail that are a little jacked up. Um, so she's able to turn her horse around and get, and kind of streamline it a little bit better than, than most would. Yeah, that make, yeah, that's a good question. That makes sense. Well, um, what uh, what about you? Um, I've got a question actually from uh, listeners. I, I've got a little private Facebook group that uh, some of the listeners are on. If anybody can get on there, if they want. But uh, Shannon Cunningham, um, she she got on there. I said that you were going to be on the podcast, and and she wants to know, uh, how, you know, how's uh, how's parenthood? Uh, you know, how are you, how are you making time in the outdoors now that you're a dad? Oh man. So, uh, Lenny was born this on September 9th and man, I've wanted kids my whole life and leading up to it, uh, I brought on actually right around the time I started the podcast. So I came, <laughs> I came back from the PCT, we got married and then <clears throat> what, uh, we got married in like October and then, then I think we found out we were pregnant in uh, December. Oh wow! And so we were, you know, making time and and uh, one of my biggest questions was the impact kids have on on the outdoors, you know, in terms of getting out and doing that kind of thing. It was a really big concern for me because I kept getting told that, you know, when, when the kids come, you know, say goodbye to hunting and doing all that kind of thing. Well, uh, Jess is she grew up camping and, and, you know, it's very important to her to get outside. And we kind of decided together that we would make it we would just make it common practice that we would go and do these things. So what we've done since, you know, it's unfortunately it's been like, you know, the winter, but it's actually been really good because we've been able to take her out, um, kind of exposure to, we went snow, hike, snow, um, hiking in the snow a little bit. Um, we've taken her to these, there's a huge dog park down, um, across in Oregon that has like miles and miles and miles of trails. Uh, so, 
through the forest and along the river. So we've been able to take her and kind of just acclimatize her to the elements, especially being, you know, um, at least the winter, not, not crazy elements, but, you know, get her outside, get her looking around, get her used to being, you know, uh, the smells and the sounds and stuff like that. And dude, so far, so good. Um, it has been, she's really, really enjoyed it. Like she's now kind of flipped around in the chest carrier and she's looking around like we can't get her to go to sleep now uh, when <laughs> we're at the park or when we're hiking around. I mean, she crashes certainly when we get back to the truck, but um, we are really, really looking forward to it. I mean, this summer is uh, going to be, you know, the test, but I've, I've spoken to, like I said, you know, leading up to her birth, I brought a bunch of guests on to talk about managing expectations or dealing with kids in the outdoors because I feel like a lot of people really don't talk about it. And a lot of, I, I personally have friends that have mentioned, yeah, we just don't go because it's, it's too difficult. And I was like, ah, but then you have these other people like, <clears throat> uh, the family that the fight for get fight for together family that hiked to the, the AT together. And they had kids ranging from 17 to two. And so, and there's like six of them. And I'm, so I'm like, yeah, you had them right. on episode 50 of your podcast. <clears throat> yeah. And, and so I talked to them and then I had another another couple on that hiked the AT with with uh, Ellie, their their little girl. And so I, I guess I was just kind of doing a bunch of personal research on like, what can I expect? How are you doing this? And and I <clears throat> for anyone that has kids, uh, my the episode with Ben from uh, the family that hiked the AT, it was really like eye opening for me. They have a really interesting approach to parenthood and uh, they're from the Northwest so they were used to, you know, they hiked around Mount Rainier a lot. And just hearing him kind of, yeah, hey, this is what we do. Like, we go and do this. We make time for this. And we deal with it. And and he talks about when they, people are like, I can't get my kid to, to walk any distance at all. He's like, yeah, been there. Like, my kids don't want to walk down the trail, but we just, that's what we're doing. So it's it's like baby steps. And eventually they acclimatize and, and they get used to it and that is their, their normal thing. So we would, our plan, I don't know if that answers the question, but parenthood is amazing. It's been so great. Uh, my wife is incredible with her and I'm able to work from home a lot. Um, so I'm able to, to be around her. And so, yeah, we're, we're, we're like building up to that, um, next phase, like getting ready for spring and then summer. And we we're hoping to do a you know, ease into the car camping and then backpack hiking and backpacking uh, elements of uh, of the summer, man. No, that's great. Yeah, it's so cool. That's one of my passions. That, you know, I have a ten year old daughter and a six year old daughter, and, and mm -hmm. they've been they've been out there ever since they were. Well, you know, I I did as far as like actual hiking up in the the upper uh, elevation hikes in mm -hmm. Washington. I waited until they were uh, okay to hold themselves up in a in a backpack. Yep. Um, so it was like, what, I don't know, a year and a half, two years old. Mm -hmm. Um, the one thing that, that I failed to prepare for <laughs> was, uh, the biting flies. Um, you know, when they're on your oh. back, yeah, when they're on your back, you have no way to help them assist them yeah. with that. And they don't have huh. the motor skills to be able to, to deal with that. So, you know, that's oh, something to think about. But, yeah. I figure it's going to be, I fully anticipate it to be a trial and error thing. I told my wife, I was like, okay, I, so I have a number of trails nearby <laughs> that you don't have to go very far before you can start camping. So like there's a little lake nearby and there's this one trail that kind of has like, you can go one mile, you can go half a mile or you can go five miles and there's campsites all along the way. So I was like, you know, let's, uh, when we finally decide to take the dogs out with Lenny in a tent, we're just going to go like kind of dry run it. <laughs> and, and, and if something, if it just hits the fan in the middle of the night, you know, we can hike out and, and, and everything's going to be just fine. Yeah, that's, that's a great idea. And I, and I also use the approach that you're talking about with Ben, uh, on episode 50 of your podcast. Uh, I, I use that same approach where it's like, Hey, uh, my, my daughters, they have a choice to whether they like hiking or not, but yeah. they don't have a choice to whether they go or not. Um, I, my six year old, she's still at that age where she wants to complain a little bit. And it's like, well, you know, we're going, we're, we're going to do this. And, uh, you know, it's not a, it's not a, uh, it's not a horrible experience for her because she ends up having a blast, but it's just, uh, Hey, yeah. you know, she knows it's a part of our family. Yeah. I, I remember when Lenny was, 
I don't want to have the wrong expectations. I don't want to force feed the outdoors down her throat, you know, cause not, it's not, it's just not for everyone. But I think that it's my, I think it can be if in the event, my, my mantra is if you don't like the outdoors, then you need to find what you do like. You know, if you and I go backpacking together, if I do everything that you do exactly the same way, if, if that doesn't work for me, that's totally fine. I can, I need to go and find my own way of doing things and then we can go together. And just because this person like, you know, really loves snow camming doesn't mean that this person likes snow camming and maybe they hate it or maybe they just want to do a fair weather thing. They don't want to do certain things like that's great. That's fine. Do those things. So I don't ever want to get, you know, my fears like shoving it down her throat and being like, you will, you know, like this. And so my plan is to find what she does like, because I remember when she was born and my wife was, you know, it was like the first real morning that, um, that she was with us. Uh, my wife was sleeping and the sun was coming up and I was like, dude, all I kept thinking was, I really hope that we can have this. I can share a sunrise and a sunset from in the backcountry together. Mm. And we can, we can talk about how our feet just hurt, you know, <laughs> and, and they're, they're painful. And sometimes I, I was, Sometimes I get choked up thinking about, uh, I, I was reading through some old blog posts when I was on the PCT the other day and I realized it's, it's, it was an emotional thing. I mean, through hiking will break you emotionally down to like, and build you right back up. And I told my wife, I was like, I don't know how I will respond if Lenny ever tells me she wants to hike the PCT. Hmm. Like I will, I don't know. I'll probably just break in half. Like, <laughs> and then I'll be like, I'm going with. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's funny because that was another part of Shannon's uh, question was, you know, do you plan on taking her on the PCT? Oh, man. You know, so when you're on, the funny thing about through hiking is um, when you're on the trail, the, you're looking for every reason to get off the trail. Even towards the end, you're like, this is just silly. Like, I don't need to be doing this. But then just like everything else, you go through hell and back. And you come out on the other end and you're like, that's pretty awesome. Like that was actually pretty cool. And then, you know, the days go by, the weeks go by and you're like, man, I would give anything to be back on that trail, hurting, sweating, being uncomfortable, but, but enjoying yourself and being exactly who you are. You know, like you can, you can just be whoever you want to be. Like it strips you down to like the bare essentials and you're just free to, to hike and be who you want to be. And I remember at one point on the trail, I'd be like, I would never hike those hills ever again. Like every time I'd get one done, <laughs> I'd be like, no, never coming <laughs> back. Like there's no way. And then now I look back and if my wife ever looked at me or if Lenny looked at me and was like, I want to go, I would hike those hills all over again with a smile on my face. Like, because it's just that good, man. Like there's something, it's not the hills that are great. It's the struggle. And mm. I don't know why. Yeah, that's good. Well, uh, yeah, switch up gears a little bit here. Uh, Gary Modine uh, from the from the podcast listeners here, uh, he wants to know: Have you had any guests that have altered your personal approach to backpacking? Uh, if so, who and and how have they changed anything? Oh man, that's a good question. Um, have I had any guests that have altered? Yeah, you know. Um... If, are you familiar with John Z? I am. I, I, I yes, I, I am. So, so John Z is a. I've been following him for a number of years, and he's a habitual uh, through hiker, long distance hiker. This dude clears. He can clear fifty miles in a day, and that's crazy. Um, <laughs> so I, I had him on. I didn't even think he'd come on the podcast, but I, I he, he was totally down to chat. And he came on and I was like, so how are you doing this? You know, where did it start? How are you covering this many miles? Because at that point, man, when you're doing 50 miles, I mean, you can struggle through 20. <laughs> yeah. You can really just struggle and like beat yourself up over 20, you know, even like 30 miles. But to get to 50, that's, you're on a whole new level. Like you really got to be dialed in. So I guess I kind of wanted to learn from him 
how he approaches stuff and his kind of views on weight. Because um, if you've ever looked at kind of his hiking videos, the dude has like, he even has a backpack company now that uh, called Palente Packs that, I mean, it's like a school bag. And so he, he definitely has his own style, but he said something to me that kind of shifted gears for me a little bit in a sense that he it kind of put things in perspective. I asked him, we were going down the rabbit hole of like, okay, you know, wait, you know, how, how important is this? Because you can really start counting ounces and stuff like that. And he said something effective like, yeah, man, I've just realized that, you know, weight, that, that weight really just isn't all that precious. Mm. And I was like, huh? Like it kind of haunted me for a long time. I think we kind of dove into it a little bit, but what I, to me, what he was saying was you can go down that rabbit hole and you can, you can start cutting things in half and going with, with or without. But at some point, it's just not that precious. Like he adds things back into his bag. He doesn't always have the lightest backpack in the world because he wants to do certain things. So if he wants to film a certain way, he adds that element back in. So a lot of people are like, I would never take a huge DSLR camera with me on the, on the trail. And he's like, because it weighs, you know, it's a, it's two extra pounds or an extra pound or something like that. And he, to him, he's like, look, man, my gear's all dialed in already like I've done as much as I could can so I can now begin adding things back in that are going to um uh like address certain things that he wants to do so by by the weight not being so precious he's like look it's not that precious to the point where I'm just not going to bring something that I want to bring does that make sense yeah absolutely so to me when he said that he kind of broke me in half because my brain because I was like huh he's, I think he's right. Like, I mean, and it took me a while to kind of sort it out in my brain, what he was, what it, what he was saying and how that applies to me, because I, I don't know about yourself, but I think a lot of people can get counting ounces. And I think there's a lot of places where you can shave weight. And to me, um, weight became very, it, it became a conscious thing because I could feel the difference of a pound at the end of a day, a long day, I could feel the the impact of a pound on my body when you're doing, you know, 25 miles a day or you, you push yourself. I did like a 31 mile day. That was my biggest day on the trail. So you just get to that. Well, I, I, I gotta be really careful about this. And then you realize you're like, yeah, but that means that if you want to take a really awesome camera with you, that's kind of big, but you know that you're going to get like, maybe that's worth it to you. And maybe you can cut, maybe you can take something out of your bag or not bring this so you can bring that. And so I think there's a lot of things in our bags that we can kind of ditch that are really easy. But at some point, dude, it's just, it's just gear and you have to decide which, what you're going to bring for what uh, situation you want to attack. Yeah, uh, that's good. I, you know, cause I, that, that's, that's huge uh, gear. I, I'm, I don't know. You kind of said, I don't know how you are, but so I'll kind of answer that real quick. I, I'm, I'm more like kind of what you were talking about before where I might, I might take those bigger items and I know I can shave weight on, and, and then, and then that's going to take a lot of weight on my backpack and then not worry about those other items or, yeah. or somebody like John, John Z is going to just, you know, tear apart every little thing and, and, and yeah. dial it in. But so he's, he's also, you know, in, on that podcast, he blows right over it, man. But I was, I had to stop and I'm like, Whoa, hold on a second. Like <laughs> let's back this thing up. Cause he just, he's like, yeah, I don't even bring a, a lot of times I don't bring a, a sleeping pad. And I'm like, what? And he's like, and so, so I dig into it and he goes, dude, I brought a pad and then it, this is when he's doing big miles, of course, right? Everything is taken. It has to be taken in context. He's doing big miles. Well, he eats, a, you know, an hour or so before he, he gets done for the day. He's planned everything out. So he, he eats. By the time he gets to camp, he's so exhausted that he just falls asleep. So he said he was doing that. He was bringing a pad and he wasn't using it. So he's like, okay, <laughs> I'll just leave it at home. Oh man. <laughs> so like this guy's literally ex exhausting himself every single day and he's identified. And that's such a good tool to use. If you, it's a good frame of mind to have. If you're bringing something and you notice you're not using it, 
you may not need it for what that thing is that you just did. Hmm. So, well, yeah. I, sh- I should mention too that uh, he was on episode 25 of your podcast for people to go check that out. Six Moon Designs uh, picked up a lunar solo tent. Really excited about this. Uh, I want you guys to go over to sixmoondesigns.com. That's uh, all one word, of course, six moon designs. So there's an S on the end there, dot com. Um, I picked up the Lunar Solo, 200 bucks. It's only 26 ounces uh, listed on their on their website there. Uh, I'm excited about this. I, I fit no problem in this thing. I've always been kind of weary of uh, solo type tents because um, I'm a big hiker. I'm, I'm 6'4", very wide, and there's plenty of room. I could easily squeeze one of my kids in there with me, and, and the vestibule is huge, too. If, uh, you know, if you hike with a dog and you've got a pad for the dog, whatever, it could easily sleep under this uh, vestibule with your pack and everything out there, um, boots or whatever you got going on. Um, anyway, yeah, so don't worry about that. It's also uh, I've always been a little weary of uh, single-wall tents, but this has uh, – you know, sort of the mesh, the the, the mosquito netting, uh, about six inches, and and then six inches of a bathtub floor as well with a with a bottom. So it's sort of like a tarp, but um, it, it sets up as one tent. Anyway, go over there. There's plenty of videos and stuff on the website, sixmoondesigns.com. On your uh, website here, it says that you're a photographer. So can you talk about that a little bit, or is that is that is that just a, a title you gave yourself, or do you really well, carry a camera out there? One of my buddies was like, so a friend, my my uh, my neighbor, he's a photographer himself, and I've been into photography my entire life. That so that sentence, like I'm a photographer, uh, that is a that's Emery trying to realize something in him and not deny it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's based on my my neighbor who we were talking he you know he's like a he was doing weddings and bands and and all and he makes money he actually makes money from photography and you know i would always downplay uh photography i would be like well i'm not a photographer you know and here i have photography stuff and, and uh i'm taking pictures and I, I i have some really some pictures that are i think are really good and they've circulated around um uh, social media and been on some, you know, various things. And, and, uh, he told me, he's like, dude, just stop telling yourself you're not a photographer and just own it. And I was like, no, nah, I can't do that. And he's like, I'm cause I'm not a photographer. And he's like, yeah, you are. And I'm <laughs> like, okay, dude, fine. Okay, cool. Fine. He's like, when you start telling you, when you deny these things that you want to be and that you are, like it doesn't go anywhere. But if you start just accepting the fact and saying, yes, I'm a photographer, I'm a creative, I'm a singer or I'm whatever it is. Like you look at, look at it differently. And since then no one pays me for my photography and I have no interest in, I give away my photos. I'm like, sure. What, whatever, like, cool. Um, if someone wants them and they want to post them, I'm like, yeah, go for it. Cause I'm not looking to become a professional photographer. I just, Hey man, that's a cool picture. And so for me, um, I, over since that time, I've, I've started owning it a little bit more and it's allowed me to kind of dig into it, you know, allowed myself the the freedom to dig into photography a little more. I really like that answer a lot, man. I, I can relate, uh, on a certain level. I, I own a big camp, bigger, I should say bigger camera. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I usually just don't bring it and I, I, yep. just, I just take pictures with my phone, but mm-hmm. I'll often have people comment or, or send me a message or an email and they're like, man, how do you get your pictures and stuff? And it's like, yep. well, I don't know. I'm just, I'm in the same spot. There's, there's actually probably 40 people there and I somehow managed to get a shot with nobody in it or something, you know, and it's just like, how do yep. you do that? You know? And, and it's just like, well, I don't know. So I guess maybe I should start labeling myself a photographer too. Uh, well, well, dude, I mean, it, it's it's a it's weird, man. Photography is really strange these days. Um, it, it's just it's everyone. I don't know, man. There's just there's stones that can be thrown in all kinds of directions. And there's what's a photographer? I don't freaking know. Right. I, to me, a photographer is someone. You know, I guess back in the day, if you were like, oh, I'm a photographer, you're like make money from your photography. But for me, like the images that are on my website, those are my images. I took those. Mm-hmm. like I would say probably 99% of those images are all mine. And so for me, I, I really, if, if they weren't mine, I would have to go. And as you know, when you have a website, you gotta, if you want to display an idea, get something across, you need to have an image. 
Well, you've got two choices. You take the image or you take it from somewhere else and either buy it or license it or somehow find it and then use it. And so for me, I'm like, well, I guess in a way, maybe I am a photographer. Like I'm taking photos and I'm making, I'm putting smiles on people's faces when I snap a good photo of them on the trail or in a moment. Heck man, maybe that makes me a photographer. I don't freaking know. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I think it does. I think it does. And I I like your photos too. Um, What about, uh, what about other podcasts that you listen to? I would imagine well, you mentioned you you listen to some on the trail uh, when you're hiking mm-hmm. the PCT, but uh, you have to you can't really be a podcaster without listening to podcasts. I would assume so. Y- yeah, <laughs> uh, dude. You know, my mind is kind of a bunch of different places. Uh, if I I can't listen to the same thing, same topic too much, um, I listen to a few uh, outdoor podcasts. You know, but then I also listen to a lot of. Um, business podcasts. I find business really fascinating, like entrepreneurial. Um, in fact, I listened to Pat Flynn. The The reason oh, why yeah. I started the podcast is because I had been listening to Pat Flynn. If anyone doesn't know who he is, he's like, uh, uh, entrepreneurial, uh, guy. Uh, and he, so he has, you know, a podcast and a website and all this different stuff. Anyhow, he has some really cool content and he was talking about the benefits of podcasting, not only just from like, a relationship st- uh, standpoint, but, uh, you know, self, um, improvement standpoint. So <laughs> I'm sure that if, uh, we all dial back the, the episodes, the episode number one of everyone's podcast, it probably sucks unless you're like, <laughs> yeah. unless you're a trained, you know, radio show host or whatever. Um, so he's like, yeah, you just gotta go, you know, here's, and he was like, here's my first one. And it, wasn't that good. But then, you know, now you're listening to like episode a million, you know, and, and it's, it's really good. So for me, I try and listen to podcasts like that are ins- inspirational in terms of that kind of a thing. But then I also kind of listen to, I listen to a lot of hunting shows, not all the time because I mean, there's really only so much, uh, hunting content that you can absorb before, uh, it's kind of on repeat all the time in terms of, uh, like what you're trying to do is, like you're you're doing the I will hunt podcast, dude. That can go on. You're there's always learning to be done, um, but a lot of these established shows uh, they'll end up, you know, how many times can you talk about elk season? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm sure you'll. I'm sure you can agree that uh, a lot of the stuff is like regurgitation, but it's good for re- repetition. But I'm kind of looking for those like those unique perspectives on how something can be applied to what I'm doing, if that makes sense. Yeah, man, I'm, that's that's why I asked the question because people, when it comes to podcast listening, there's so many different uh, styles. And, and, mm-hmm. and man, what, I think I've been listening to podcasts for six or seven years now. And, um, wow. man, the the, uh, the amount of podcast content out there is just so huge and vast oh, yeah. now. And, and this little niche uh, you know, things start popping up and it's like, it's really cool. So it's, it's, yeah. fun, it's fun to see what people are listening to. Dude, I, I'm like a history fanatic. So, um, I'll listen to hardcore history. If you, I'm sure you've heard oh, yeah. that, Yeah, dude, that blows my mind, man. I yeah. don't know how I have yet to figure out how that guy can talk for so long without it sounding like it's edited. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I think he, he's even mentioned that he's done a whole episode and just throwing it out because he didn't like the way it sounded or something. It's like, man, you're talking about four hours or something. The yeah. episode is like crazy. Dude, but yeah, so that kind of thing. I mean, I'm, anything from small business to, um, you know, the outdoors to uh, hunt, yeah, history. I mean, it's it's all there, man. Yeah, and, and I don't know about you, but I, I take a lot of these – a lot of these podcasts, and when when somebody, especially like uh, Dan Carlin with uh, Hardcore History, they have these, uh, these amazing voices, and mm-hmm. I'll tend to find myself like I'll be reading out loud or something, and uh, I'll read to my kids, and all of a sudden I've got the the Dan Carlin, you know, the, <laughs> the kind of intense, and then they did this, you know, it's just like, oh come on, what, I, I know where that's coming from. I was listening to his most recent release, and. All I kept thinking of the first episode that I ever heard of his show was him talking about basically the entire Persian empire from like start to finish. <laughs> That's mind melt. Like, I don't even know how to like the words that were coming out of his mouth, but he's like reading this ancient text. Right. And he's got this, like, like you just, the impersonation <laughs> you just did. And then 
fast forward and he's reading like uh, Franklin D. Roosevelt's voice in the same yeah. you know tone <laughs> as someone from like ancient Persia. And I'm like, wait, are they all Spartans? Like he just reads like everyone's a Spartan, you know. <laughs> he, he's, like, yeah, he's intense, man. And, and, and then I, I do the same thing with uh, Jocko Willink. I listen yeah. to his episodes and the, and the way he reads quotes and things. So, and it's just, yeah, it's, it's fun to kind of bring all that together. And, oh, man. Yeah, it's great. Well, and it's great to have all that influence, right? To be, I'm sure, I'd be curious, you know, if someone could analyze me, I'd be curious to see if the shows that I listen to, how that's impacted my shows. Sure. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure they do. Well, cool, man. Well, I, I don't want to take too much of your time. And uh, I actually got a couple more podcasts recorded today, too. So, um, uh, how can folks find you out there? Uh, okay. If you honestly, if you search by land, B Y L A N D, um, I should pop up. Uh, but you can find me at byland.co. And on that, um, you can find, you know, links to the podcast. Um, I have a YouTube channel that I'm trying to build up. Uh, you know, man, filming shot, filming uh, videos, you know, time consuming. But I'm working on that. And then there's a bunch of blog posts uh, and on, on social media. Um, I'm under byland.co on Instagram. So I would say website or Instagram is a really good way to reach me. Those are the two things that I'm, I'm posting to a lot. And then, you know, the podcast, of course. So um, the, the Byland podcast is what it's called. All right, Emery. Well, thanks so much for coming on the Cascade Hiker podcast. Thanks for having me, man. All right. That's the show. Thanks so much for tuning in. Don't forget to join the Patreon page. Find me at patreon.com slash Cascade Hiker Podcast. Also, hit me up uh, with an email, Rudy at CascadeHikerPodcast.com. Find me on Facebook. My Facebook page is Cascade Hiker Podcast. Twitter, find me at N underscore Cascade Hiking. And I'm Cascade Hiker Podcast on Instagram. Thanks, Whiskey Fever, for letting me use this track here, Tall Grass, off their album, Gonna Wake Up This Whole Town. Go find them at ReverbNation.com slash Whiskey Fever. Hey, see you next week. You were sweet like honey on a heartbeat. You were fine like wine and sunshine. I could feel you coming on strong. Could never be wrong. Could never be wrong. See her laying down in the tall grass. Playing mandolin in a white dress. So come running when I hear that song. It could never be wrong. It could never be wrong. Where you want to run, baby, I'll run too. I would leave this world for a beautiful girl if I could just